Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Ecolona, and this is Nashville. The race to be Nashville's next mayor is heating up. We're less than two months away from Election Day. Tonight, This Is Nashville is partnering with the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative to host a forum where local teens get to ask questions of the candidates directly. To prepare, we've invited a panel of local teens to share what they want to see from the next occupant of the mayor's office. That's coming up later this hour. But first... A recent report from the Southern Poverty Law Center found that Lewis, that, that the Lewis County, pardon me, that the Lewis Country Store north of Nashville has a connection to white supremacist groups. The owners of the controversial store have been allowing the groups to meet in the space upstairs. WPLN's Rose Gilbert spoke to the researcher who compiled the report, and she joins us now. Hey, Rose, welcome back to This is Nashville. So tell us, what is the Lewis Country Store? And why is it controversial? So, you know, a lot of people in Nashville have heard of Lewis Country Store. Perhaps they've seen it pop up on Twitter. They've probably seen pictures of the signs. And that's because it's really well known for having, uh, you know, some pretty strong uh, right-wing messaging outside. A lot of pro-Trump, anti-mask, and more recently, a lot of pro-insurrectionist stuff, um, especially displayed outside on this kind of big digital sign that people can see from the road. So it's not an unknown quantity. Um, You know, back in 2016, they actually lost their shell branding, their gas station, Mm. um, because after one particularly uh, obscene message uh, had some complaints get back to corporate um, that was in support of Trump. So it's kind of a known quantity there. But most recently, it's been in the news because of this report from the Southern Poverty Law Center. All right. So what did the Southern Poverty Law Center report earlier this month? What did that uncover? Yeah, so this comes from a senior researcher, Jeff Tischhauser, who is no stranger to this. He's been tracking hate groups for a little minute. This is his job. Um, He's actually based out of Chicago, um, and he was tracking Tennessee groups specifically. Um, And it found that a white supremacist group called the Tennessee Active Club has been regularly meeting and training to fight in the private gym above the Lewis Country Store. Um, And, you know, this is something that has uh, also, you know, been... This report has been uh, reported on on the Nashville scene from Eli Modica, as well as the Tennessean. Okay, so explain to us, what is the Tennessee Active Club? Yeah, you know, it's not a name that jumps out to you as immediately a hate group, right? Yeah. Like it could be a gym, which is, you know, part, partially by design. Um, and what's important to note here is that it's a, a chapter of this larger decentralized network of active groups, um, which are, it's kind of this big network of hate groups. Um, and they're, they're small groups, about five to 15 white men usually. And they have this big emphasis on getting guys who've been radicalized online in white supremacist spaces off the internet and in person to train for what they believe is like this big impending race war. So kind of what's notable at them is, again, that decentralized nature, the fact that they're a network with chapters all over the country, and that emphasis on being in person and uh, training specifically to fight. Okay, so how did how did Jeff find out all of this information? Yeah, so Jeff was kind enough to sit down with me and kind of take me through this process. It was really interesting, actually. You know, as, as a reporter, to kind of hear the breadcrumbs he was picking up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was mentioning, so he's a Chicago-based guy who tracks hate groups 
for a living. And he was keeping an especially close eye on Tennessee in the months and weeks leading up to Pride Month because of all the anti-LGBTQ sentiment we've seen here, you know, both from legislation and, you know, from stuff like drag events being protested. Um, and he was monitoring uh, Telegram channels. Telegram's like an encrypted messaging platform. He was monitoring a channel used by the Tennessee Active Club. And for the past several months and weeks, he kept seeing photos of them training in the same gym. Jim was not identified, but he he saw them training in the same space over and over again. He saw them meeting up with other chapters of active clubs from other states, including Ohio and Alabama. He saw them meeting up with the Proud Boys, all of them taking photos in the same space, but he couldn't identify the space. Then one random weekend morning, someone sends a message saying, man, really cool of this guy to let us train above the Lewis Country Store. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, finally a lead. Um, and he says within hours, that message, along with all of the other contents of the channel, was deleted. So he's like, oh, I've really got something here. Um, so from there, he Googles uh, the Lewis Country Store and he comes across a real estate listing. And on these uh, real estate w- listing websites were photographs of the property inside and out. And I, I noticed that there was a gym. And I was like, wait a second. I, I went back to this propaganda that I had, uh, you know, have screen grabs of. And I started kind of comparing and I was like, wait, th- this can't be right. They couldn't just leave a breadcrumb crumb like this. Like somebody seriously made a mistake here. Yeah. So he took those uh, you know, screen grabs. He took the videos and photos he had from the Telegram channel, compared them to the photos he found on the real estate listing. He even brought in colleagues from the Southern Poverty Law Center to confirm. And he was like, yeah, this is this is the same space. And that was kind of how he was able to make that connection. So how has the owner of the store responded? Yeah, so the owner of the store, uh, Brad Lewis, after the report was released, he went on a white supremacist podcast to talk about it. Brad, I want to ask before we get too far, you were uh, in hot water again after the commie scumbags from the SPLC took a little notice <laughs> at your kind store. I've, I've got some guys that are ex-MMA pros that, that mm-hmm. have been training with me for, gosh, 15 years now. We're, we're getting some younger, younger white men in there. Yeah. So, you know, you heard him. He, he's he wasn't advertising this, but once it came out, he wasn't denying it either. He, he lets people, specifically white men, train um, in the space above his store. Um, you know, he and the he and the host kind of went on to joke about setting up a firing range at the gas station and getting a Lewis Country Store militia together um, and other another little just like that. Um but it's also worth noting he has been on Telegram a lot posting about this article. Uh, he said several times it doesn't bother him, but he, he's he's been posting about it like kind of a lot and specifically attacking Jeff Tischhauser with you know racial slurs, anti-Semitic slurs. He even wrote not not one but two different homophobic poems about them. Limericks they don't quite match the meter of a limerick, but they are an effort. And um, you know while Jeff told me he's found some humor in the situation, he's like. I'm getting a poem written about me. Um, Mm. It's also worth noting that Lewis has been pretty upfront about the extent of his beliefs. Also on Telegram, the day after the report came out, he posted saying, I'm not a conservative. I am an actual literal Nazi. Um, So, you know, it's it's, uh, worth remembering that as well. Okay, so what other aspects of this story are you keeping an eye on? So kind of an interesting little quirk of this and something that's been mentioned in the coverage, like I said, from the Tennessean and the Nashville scene is that the real estate agent for the listing that led Jeff to kind of uncover this connection in the first place is Franklin Alderman uh, Gabrielle Hansen, um, who, of course, has been in hot water for her comments over the Covenant shooting, um, as well as uh, you know complaining uh, about a Juneteenth celebration. So it's kind of an interesting aspect of this. I 
you know, did reach out to her for comment to see, you know, ask her if she was aware of what was going on at the Lewis store when she, you know, accepted this listing. Um, and she has not not responded to my request for comment, nor nor Jeff Tischhauser's request for comment. Okay, so ultimately, why is it important that this hate group has been using this space to meet up? So like I said, the Tennessee Active Club has this big emphasis on being in person, not online. You know, there's been a lot of coverage in recent years about, uh, you know, far right and white supremacist spaces online. Their whole thing is, let's meet in person, fellas. And the Lewis Country Store gives them a space to not only do that, but specifically, you know, to train, to fight, to inflict violence. Um, and, you know, while they haven't physically hurt anybody, they have shown up in person to events like um, protesting a drag event in Cookville this March and, you know, other drag events in Tennessee. Um, so it's worth noting that they are a group that does not stop at posting on Telegram or posting on chat boards. And um, having a space to meet and train is, is kind of really a clutch thing for them. Rose Gilbert is WPLN's general assignment reporter. You can find the link to her story in today's episode post at thisisnashville.org. Rose, thanks for being here. Thanks for this. And thank you for your reporting. Thank you, Khalil. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with a panel of teens to learn about what it's like to be a teenager in Nashville these days. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colona, and this is Nashville. All right, how many adults can remember what it's like to be a teenager? Can you? Go ahead. I'll give you a few seconds to conjure up some memories. Okay, now tell me how painful that was. <laughs> no, seriously, in all seriousness, being a teenager is tough. And being a teenager in 2023 in Nashville, well, this hour, we're not going to speculate. We're going to ask a few teens to tell us themselves. This is Nashville and WPLN have partnered with the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative to elevate the needs of our youth in this year's mayoral election. Tonight, we're putting on a forum at the Honey Alexander Center. And later this week, we'll bring you two special episodes drawn from the forum. But before we turn to the candidates tonight, let's turn to the youth. I'd like to introduce my next guests. Susanna Wilkinson is a rising senior at Hillsborough High School, and Oluwashion Fabi is a rising senior at Hume Fogg. Both are members of the Mayor's Youth Council. Susanna, Victoria, thanks for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. So, you know, you both were born and raised in this region, and I, you know, I'd really like to hear what it's like for you. Growing up here. Susanna, tell me, let's start with you. What's it been like growing up in Nashville? I've enjoyed it for the most part, but I feel like there's, I've grown up seeing all this change, and I feel like there's a lack of connection to Nashville and a lack of identity built with this change. Like I'm seeing all these buildings get built, all this construction on the road, but I don't really, I feel like Nashville's kind of lost its identity and this connection. Do you feel like, this new growth. do you feel like you've lost connection to it? I feel like I have a bit as well. Hmm. Now, Victoria, what's been, What's been growing up in Madison? What's that been like for you? Well, um, I'm like my father's Nigerian, my mother's Jamaican. So I go to a 
predominantly African church, New Beautiful Gate. So I've mostly been growing up around my own kind of little community. Um, and that's in Antioch as well. Um, so I would say kind of like there hasn't ever been, like Madison hasn't really changed since I've like been growing up. Um, it's kind of like the same place, except like now I'm seeing like the beginnings of like there's more housing developments coming in. And so I can kind of see the change that's been going on in downtown for a while that's now kind of shifting over to, you know, my neighborhood. So do, do you feel disconnected from the city the way Susanna does? I do feel kind of disconnected from the city, but I feel like with my the high school that I do go to, like with going to Hume Fog, that's like in the middle of the city, mm. I have been able to develop more of a connection to it. So I think that just the location of my school helps with. I wonder, I'm going to ask you both, do you feel like the city has grown too quickly? Susanna? I feel like it has, but I also feel like as Nashville, we're not really um, providing for this growth. Like, I feel like we could do so much more to support the growth, but we're just, we're not able to do that. And like, we have, I feel like sometimes we have the resources to match that or the ability to match the growth, but then we don't, I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Okay. So like we have the ability to match the growth, but we just haven't made that a priority. We haven't made that a priority. I feel like we're prioritizing tourism too much and bringing in these big businesses. Like I I, li I like bringing in jobs, but I feel like we're neglecting all of the Nashvilleans that have been here for decades. Have started have their fam their families and their lives are here. Victoria, how do you feel about the rate of growth? I feel like it's unsustainable. Like I feel like it's just a lot at once, like with how many homes there are needing to be built now because like to handle the amount of people who are coming in and also like traffic is like another big issue. Like my house is only 21 minutes away from my school, but it takes me 40 minutes to get home. Mm. So it's like very frustrating. Now, I imagine it is. And being a teenager is frustrating. I was a teenager a long, long time ago. And I remember what it was like, and it's hard to do that in any era. So what are some of the biggest issues you're facing right now, Victoria? Um, I would say with, like, being in school, just seeing, like, how our school system is being handled with but bannings, like, going into, like, the end of last year, I'm literally seeing my teachers giving away books that are being deemed by the state as, like, inappropriate and kind of like this last ditch effort to give us the information that is important for us to know like um and as a person who like takes a lot of interest in like learning about like civil rights of like in like civil rights in Nashville and like even discussing with my teachers of whether or not that's a class that would be offered further on down the line like mm. that's like questionable of like oh would we still have african-american studies would we still have civil rights is that still going to be a course that's people going to like that people are going to be able to take up Susanna what about you um I'd love to say the lack of transportation and safe public transportation have you seen if you go on many streets in Nashville you can see that a lot of our bus stops are just a picket on the side of the road there isn't really a bench or there isn't really a sidewalk nearby and it's it's really unsafe 
for us to get, for me to get to the bus stop in particular. I don't really have sidewalks in my neighborhood. And for a lot of my classmates as well, wanting to get, take the bus to any different parts of Nashville and connect to our community as well. How long does it take you to get from home to school? Home to school, unfortunately, I can't take the bus to school, but it's about 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So, but with the situation with the bus stops being the way they are, it's difficult for you. Difficult for me, yes, but I, I drive, so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'd like to bring in my next guest, who is a fellow student like Susanna at Hillsboro High, until he just graduated. Joey Mendez, welcome to This is Nashville, and congratulations to you. Thank you. So, you'll be a freshman come this fall. As you make this next step, tell me, how are you reflecting on the past four years? I'm reflecting a lot by seeing the experiences I've had growing up in Nashville and just being in Nashville and thinking about what I need to take with me as I go out of state for college instead of staying here like many of my peers. And something that I have realized is that I have become more okay with a fast rate of change because of how quickly our city is growing. However that doesn't mean that it is necessarily good. I don't necessarily agree with how much Nashville has been growing since I started high school specifically. That's a lot of change in four years. Mm-hmm. You had a pandemic in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. How did you find yourself adapting to that change? I had a very hard time adapting because online learning didn't work for me as well. However, all of the teachers and staff that I talked to within MNPS were very supportive and they all gave me a space to talk to them about what I was struggling with. And they all gave me space to ask them questions, even if they didn't know the answer about what I needed or what they could do for me. Now, you referred that you're going to college out of state. Some of your peers have decided to stay. Let me ask, did you ever consider staying in Nashville? I, I very, it was a very hard decision for me to choose to go out of state. Um, You know, all of my friends are here. My entire family is here. I've lived in the same house in West Nashville my entire life. And so it kind of feels like I'm betraying my family by leaving. However, it's what I need to do because I need, I feel like I need to get more experiences before I become like a full-fledged adult. And so by moving out of state, that'll allow me like learning more independence, and learning how to be a little bit more self-sustainable. Yeah, you can always come home. So Mm -hmm. it's good to go somewhere to discover who you are and, more importantly, how your family's morals and ideals really reflected in you. So, you know, we just heard Susanna and Victoria sharing what they feel are some of the biggest issues that teens in our community face. What are your thoughts? Definitely public transportation. My older sibling went to Hume Fogg High School and there were issues with the bus whenever they were coming home. Um, There were issues just getting downtown to drop them off or pick them up. And when I was in middle school at West End, I took the bus home every single day and it was a very unreliable source of transportation for me. Um, School got out at 355 and I would have to sprint across the park to just try and get to my bus stop before the bus came because I didn't know what time the next one was coming. It's supposed to be 15 minutes, but it never actually was. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour with the panel of local teens to learn more about what life is like for them. And if you're a young person listening out there, we want to hear from you, so tweet us at This Is Nashville. So we're going to get deeper into public transportation because that was my main mode of getting around. I didn't have a car. Um, And if my parents 
trust me, that was a no-go with the way my grades were going and what my parents required for any of us to get our our, our license. Now, you know, Victoria, in your experience with public transportation, how easy has it been for you to use that? It has not. I have mostly just, like, been relying more on my brother. So, because, like, he already, like, drives around anyway. So, it's like, he's there. Um, but just because of how many, like, different activities I have to do and, like, how, like, sometimes, un, like, my schedule can, like, maybe I'll do be like something's supposed to get off at one and then I end up getting off at like two. So it was better to just like have my brother cause like then I have like a reliable system of transport. Um, but I have like tried public transit. I used to go on the bus all the time when I was younger cause my mom didn't, we didn't have a car. So we would like travel there to the mall. We'd be waiting there for like over 30 minutes to be able to get to like a different location and like and it would be like 10 minutes if it was just a drive. And it would just got very difficult. And so we just end up. <laughs> and frustrating. Do, now, do any of you all have jobs? Did you have summer jobs at all? Yes. How difficult is it for you to get back and forth from your job during the summer if you have to rely on public transportation? I don't think I could. Mm. The bus from my house uh, only goes to Bellevue or downtown. I cannot, I work in Green Hills. I cannot get to Green Hills using the bus. I would have to go to downtown Nashville and get on another bus just to go to Green Hills. I think there might be a transfer point in the middle, but the transfer points are weird and unreliable for the most part. So I, I couldn't make that a possibility for me. Joey? Mm -hmm. um, well, my current summer job Honestly, I wouldn't trust the bus to get me there on time. It's close enough that I could walk, but like with the Nashville heat, that's not something I would want to do. And with my previous job, I worked in 12 South. And so trying to get from West Nashville to 12 South, even driving has always been difficult because there's construction constantly and there's traffic constantly. And like I said, the buses don't run on time typically. So, you know, we've seen housing change drastically, and you all have seen it change drastically over the course of your lifetimes. What are your concerns there? Joey, what are your major concerns with housing? My major concerns typically fall around affordability. I, I would love to see more people who have been living in Nashville being able to buy the houses that they want in Nashville instead of having to retreat to the outer boroughs. Um, I know that lots of people couldn't afford to live where they do if they were just now trying to buy their house and lots of real estate companies or just like individual real estate agents are trying to convince native Nashvilleans to move out so that they can redevelop a house and make it more appealing for people who are just moving into Nashville. Susanna, does that make, does what Joey's saying, does that kind of relate to the disconnect you feel? It does, definitely. I feel like especially hearing a lot of my teachers' perspectives, especially young, freshly out of college people who can't afford to live in Nashville, it's really scary to me that they're having to commute from Murfreesboro, from Hendersonville, from Franklin, and like they can't, they can't afford to live here, especially on the teacher's salary as mm. well. Mm. Now, you know, the Covenant shooting was tragic and it truly, truly rocked our city. Thousands of your peers showed up at the state house to demand action on gun violence. 
and school safety is a big issue. How would you like to see school safety addressed, Susanna? I want more of a uh, prioritization towards restorative practices and mental health professionals within our schools. We're putting too much emphasis on police and police presence. And SROs are really traumatizing and police presence really traumatizes. Also seeing police with a loaded gun in your hallway while you're walking, that that's really scary for most of us. And I have struggled with my mental health in school and I visited with a school social worker. She's there twice a week. And she has maybe 50 students on her caseload in Hillsborough. She's floating between three different schools in the cluster. So she can't meet my needs necessarily, maybe if I had a crisis. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, some of my teachers would call the SRO, and that it's, especially if I went through mental health. It would be really scary. Uh, Victoria, do you have SROs at your school? We do not. You do not. Is school safety is still a concern for you? Um. Yes, because we are in the middle of the city. So sometimes there has been times where like something's going on in the city and we had to go on lockdown. Um, but like you're saying about like mental health services, we do have um, we have a social worker. And then we also have somebody who's like just there to help with more of like we have now like a peace room hmm. and we have Miss Obade who um, help runs the peace room and she's kind of like somebody you can go to to just talk with and I feel like like what you're saying is like somebody who's there consistently um, that is someone who you can depend on to talk to to kind of get your feelings out or just like a room to be able to calm down mm. um, well Joey how would you like to see schools improve in providing mental health care for students I definitely believe that we need to have more not even just social workers and counselors, but we need to have more like meetings for teachers on how to help students because lots of these teachers in MNPS are very young and they are just getting out of college, you know, five, maybe six years ago. And they know what it's like to be a teenager, but they can't do anything to help besides call them like call the resource officer or like make the student meet with a social worker and for me personally, it was really helpful. My junior year English teacher, she specifically said that her classroom was a safe space for anyone who was going through a mental health crisis and that she would assist anybody in helping them find like actual counseling and going to a therapist outside of school. So more mental health access and more counselors yes. on campus is something that you all can see. Now, Joey already shared that they're not going to be staying in Nashville for college and potentially in the future, I'm guessing? I'm not sure. I know that at least after college graduation, I will be coming back here. And the majors I've been considering, I would have to go to grad school. And I've heard a lot of good things about Vanderbilt's grad programs. Um, however, I'm just not sure with the direction that the city's moving in. If this is somewhere I want to start building my adult life around. Mm-hmm. Now, Susanna, Victoria, you got some time to make that decision, but I'm curious, do you see a future for yourselves here in Nashville? I don't necessarily see a future for myself in Nashville. I'd like to move to a larger city, maybe in in the coast, such as Los Angeles or New York and experience that. But I'd love to move back to the South, maybe not just Nashville, but I feel my, my whole family is from the South. I feel a connection towards the South. So maybe not necessarily Nashville, but somewhere in the South. Victoria? I've actually been having a lot of conversations about this, Um, but 
I just came back from this trip from London, and I like all my. I have a large amount of my family on my dad's side who lives there, and I really like the city. Their public transport is actually really, really good, and mm. so like being able to get to different places was really like easy. Um, so I've kind of been considering of like maybe moving out of the country for a little bit, maybe for college. Um, but I definitely see myself coming back to Nashville just because there's a lot of opportunities that are slowly moving in. I just think that they're not here currently. Like it's not coming fast enough for me to be able to um, be able to like use them. So I'm kind of like waiting out to see how the city grows. All right. And so we got a tweet from Daniel showing one at This Is Nashville. The quote is, wow, what intelligent young minds. I'm honored to have them speak on our behalf. Could you ask them when they are running and for which office they've got my vote? End quote. Okay. So let me ask you, have any of you ever thought about running for office? I've thought a little bit, but because my mom is a social worker and my dad works in medical IT. My family is very centered around helping people. And while that is a field I want to be in, I want to be in a field where I can improve the lives of the of the public. I don't think that running for a political office would be the best choice for me as I, I would rather have an outside perspective than an inside perspective. I would rather be on the outside like we are now and looking at all of the politics and seeing everything that is happening and being able to hear every perspective instead of being in office. And a lot of times these politicians only hear the perspective that they want to hear. Mm. Those are old school politicians, maybe not a new school one like you. Victoria? Uh, I think my social skills would not allow me to be able to pursue that type of career. Um, but I do like being in the background, so I might just stay there. <laughs> but I've considered it, but I, the um, way American politics is structured, I feel like a lot of politicians lose touch with the people that they're representing, and they lose people's interests. Mm. And so they kind of turns more towards profit rather than people. And it really, I don't like that. I don't want to, I don't want to become a monster. I don't want to think about that possibility. Okay, so on that note, we're reelecting a mayor pretty soon, or, or electing a new mayor pretty soon. What do you want the candidates to know about life, what life is really like for young people? Victoria, let's start with you. I would like them to understand how difficult of a time that we're, like, we're navigating through, um, how we are different than other generations that have passed through. We are going to require a little bit more care and a little more understanding with how things panned out with like the pandemic and even before then with how the school curriculums were going and like we need a little bit more help and to be able to put more focus on I mean, like metro public schools like we need more help. Susanna. I want to make sure, I feel like we want to focus on the development of youth and that Nashville is a place where youth can thrive and they can grow and that we have supportive communities. We have good public transit. We have community programming, like, uh, like community centers and classes stuff like that, and good school districts. I want our mayor to be able to meet with us and interact with different youth communities and know what we need and keep supporting these programs. Joey. I... I really have, as everyone I've talked to before I came here, 
I really have been emphasizing the fact that we understand a lot more than maybe like older generations and like older pol politicians think that we do. And we are more willing and accepting to listen to both sides of the conversation, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Um, however, we have listened to both sides. A lot of students at Hillsborough specifically that I've talked to um, that were seniors when they were looking at candidates for mayor, they looked into, they didn't just look into candidates that were just Democrats. They looked into both sides, but that we can hear out everybody, but as long as those candidates are going to be emphasizing the fact that they are doing things that aren't necessarily as important to us, like, Hmm. I can't think of any specific examples, but candidates that aren't as focused on improving metro schools mm -hmm. and that aren't as focused on improving public transportation. Like we've heard both sides and like specifically with the Titans Stadium, mm -hmm. that money could go to improving metro Nashville public schools, which is very important to me because I still have younger friends, younger classmates who go there and I'm friends with some of my old teachers who still teach there. And... Lots of them are leaving very quickly because it's not the right environment for them. Being an MNPS teacher is not for them anymore. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you all for being here. My guests are rising high school seniors, Susanna Wilkinson and Oluwashion Fabi, Vict Oluwashion Victoria Fabi. Let me get it correct, Khalil. And recent high school graduate, Joey Mendez. Thank you all for being here and good luck to you all in the future, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with some more teens and learn what they want from the next mayor and how they see Nashville going forward. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colonna, and this is Nashville. The mayoral election is less than two months away, and tonight, This is Nashville and WPLN are partnering with the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative to elevate the needs of our young folks in this year's mayoral election. We're putting out a forum at the Honey Alexander Center, and later this week, we'll be bringing you two special episodes drawn from the forum. This hour, we've invited local teens to join us and share what life is like for them and what they'd like to see from our next mayor. I'd like to introduce my next guests. Effie Solomon is a rising senior at Cane Ridge High and a member of the Mayor's Youth Council. Sarah Rang Wang is a rising sophomore at Hume Fogg. And Christina Amaya Sandoval is a recent graduate of Hume Fogg and a former guest of the show. Thank you all for being here with us today. Really appreciate it. Great to have you. Okay, so let's talk politics, everybody. You know, it's a position like the mayor a lot of people exactly don't know what their job is and what they have to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Sarah, what do you think the mayor does? Um, probably, like, pass laws and sort of see, like, like, decide what to do in the city. What makes you think that? Uh, because I know it's, like, a power, a position of power, sort of, at least in Nashville. As, like, the, I know the mayor has a lot of 
does the mayor have a lot of say over like what happens in Nashville, or is that more the governor? The the, the mayor has a certain amount of say. <laughs> in what happens to it. Now, the big issue a lot of people are saying is the state legislature is saying that they have more power. That's a big issue we talk about all the time here on the show. Christina, what do you think the mayor does? Um, I do want to reiterate a little bit of what Sarah said. Um, and, and that is like, yeah, I feel like to a certain degree, the national mayor does oversee a lot of things that go around in the city, but to a certain extent. So like, um, I don't remember what it was. Um, oh, yeah, I think it was redistricting that they talked about a few days or a few weeks ago. Like, they they do redistricting, but also that was part of, like, the capital that, like, I think it was something about that being passed, that they wanted them to redistrict the whole, like, you know, city map. So to a certain extent, like, the mayor does oversee things, but then you also have, like, Metro Council there as well. So it's not just solely on the mayor. Yes, definitely not a dictatorship. Effie, you've been on the mayor's youth council What's changed your understanding of what the mayor does? Um, honestly, I thought at the time a mayor, the mayor's role was more of a um, image per se kind of thing where they gave the people of Nashville the feeling of being heard. Uh, but ever since I've joined um, NYC, I've kind of viewed the job or the title of the mayor as more of like the bookkeeper of our um, our city, because I feel like they're the people who take the time to talk to the little people, to take the time to meet and talk to the people who live everyday lives in this city. Because, you know, our governors don't necessarily have the time to meet up with every little person that's here. So, I mean, personally, I think, like, my mom, who's a waitress down here at Sweats, gets to see, she's seen, I think, five different mayors in Nashville mm. come into her um, restaurant and have a meal and talk to the people and hear a lot from them. So I've viewed them with more respect every time I've um, been able to join NYC. Now, in a, in a previous segment, we talked to a panel of your peers, and, you know, they addressed some of the issues that they're concerned about, like, like school safety, addressing mental health in schools, transportation, housing were some of the things that were on their minds and that we spoke about. I'd like to briefly learn more about what issues are really concerning you all. Sarah, what's the most important issue to you right now? Uh, so I think there are a lot of issues that are important to me too. But one of them, like what they said, is safety. Because like, you know, with the recent Covenant school shooting, like that was not that far away from Hume Fogg. So it was really scary to think about. Like, just a few minutes away from Hume Fogg, not a few, more like, but still, like, really close to Hume Fogg, there was an active shooter that killed, like, six people. And what if that was Hume Fogg instead? So it was really scary to think about. And then even after so many people, like, protested about it and even went to downtown to try to make the state legislation think about, like, making gun laws stricter and safer and making everyone safety a priority, the government still, like, made gun laws even more lax. So I think sort of, like, safety is a big issue in Nashville and also sort of, like, the state legislation listening to what the people are ta- saying. Christina, what about you? What are some of your biggest concerns? Um, Honestly, right now, I feel like housing and transportation is a big issue. I know um, others have probably mentioned about it. And one of the reasons is because I live in the West Nashville area, so I've seen the change. 
And even before I was actually born, like the people who've been here longer than I have, have said that like even before I was born, like Nashville was like the countryside. So none of all these crazy developments were there. And so now to think that like not even like an actual house, like a one story house, like half of a lot of an of one story house is like more than half a million dollar dollars is really insane to me. It's unrealistic especially like for many people who are just fresh from college getting their new job trying to find somewhere to live and so like i i think that shouldn't be a problem i think we should have the right as residents of the city to affordable housing especially for those who actually really need it and for those who are like under the poverty poverty line and that also means transportation because for me at least where i live i don't have a bus stop where mm-hmm. i live so i never got the chance to actually go to the go on the bus and arrive to school every day. So I I don't know if it's like a mile or something like that, like walking, not even in cars. So like yeah. that's that's pretty far. So those those two issues are really important to me. Walking that mile are there sidewalks out there where you live? There's there's no sidewalks where I live. It's on I'd have to walk on pavement all the way mm-hmm. to where it, um the bus stop is. So it'd be pretty dangerous. You know, one of our former guests who was previously on, she she meant one of your peers, she mentioned that Seeing these changes, she feels really, really disconnected from the place that she grew up in. And I can understand somebody saying that who's maybe 60, but you guys are still in high school and you feel disconnected from this place that you live in. Effie, talk to me about that. This place has changed a lot in 10 years. These neighborhoods have changed. How has that really affected you? Um, well, honestly, I'm from Antioch specifically. So as in someone from Antioch, we've always felt like we were... Th- the third party to Nashville. We are mm-hmm. outside looking in because I can always leave the city and go home. But um, so much has been moving towards the city now that I feel like all the opportunities are at this, the Nashville. So making these trips, like I've had to, my journey here was about if there's no traffic, about 15, 20 minutes. But because it's new Nashville, it's always traffic, especially mm-hmm. at this time. So it took me about 40 minutes. So what would have took me 15 minutes to get here takes longer. So it means investing more time and dealing with the, that hassle of being here. I must really want to be in the city to come here. So I feel like it's really um, interesting to watch, like being in the car with my mom sometimes. Well, I personally drive now, so it's a little... A fun occurrence when me and my mom are together in the car and she'll just point out different spots because my mom's been here for since the 90s and okay. she'll be like I don't even know where this came from so it's kind of um, seeing a lot of new people investing in a in a space that I've me and my family have already invested in and we're losing our um, like I feel like we're losing our Nashville while other people are getting their new their new version of Nashville. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Kaliole Colonna. We're talking this hour with a panel of local teens about what life in Nashville is like for them and what they'd like to see in our next mayor. You can tweet us at This Is Nashville. So, got to understand of the issues that are there. Sarah, how do, how do you feel about where the city is headed? Honestly, I'm not very happy about what's happening, especially with like all the new laws that are being passed or not being passed. And it's just it just doesn't seem really like a place that I want to live in now. So it's just not great. And I hope that our new mayor 
like actually listens to what the people say and doesn't think about what is best for them, thinks about more what is best for the people and everyone that's living in Nashville. Christina, tell me, how do you, how does what Sarah's sharing, how does that resonate with you? She alluded to, she wants to bounce and leave. Um, how do I say it? Um, I think it resonates a lot with me because, well, first of all, I feel like because of the growth, there's been so much gentrification. And so I, I saw that a lot, especially in West Nashville, where like at least people who looked my, like me, like a lot of Hispanic Americans used to live around there as well as black Americans. And like now it's like mainly like, you know, younger millennials and, you know, Caucasians. It's like it's really like, you know, shocking, really shocking. And I feel like, you know, um, sometimes I do feel disconnected as one one person mentioned, but like. At the same time, I have hope that, like, my voice would be heard and that hopefully, as Sarah mentioned, that the mayor would listen to our concerns and hopefully, you know, go go towards a better Nashville. Effie, do you like where the city is headed? Um, I'm someone who loves change. Um, I love, I don't like staying in one spot. Um, so I love that the city is growing. I don't love the fact that while there's there's growth there's also the growth of opportunity for um native nashvillians is not matching the growth of people who are coming in um i have a lot of educators that i've met from different states here i have a lot of mentors who are from different states who've come with um because of job opportunities or some such and i think that it's so amazing for people that who are coming in to find this like new fresh area to to plant themselves in but those who've already planted their seed have not been able to grow in a really long time and i feel like that's very unfair because you know i think nashville has always um, been a loyal, had a loyal um, citizens in our little city. And I think that their loyalty is not giving them anything much back. Mm. You know, we have a lot of people running for mayor, a grip of candidates. Sarah, in your mind, what would the ideal mayor look like? So like I said before, I would really be happy if the new mayor listens to what the people says. And I think sort of just like taking in what like listening to what we say and actually like implementing that and i think i think it would just be great if the new mayor i'm not sure like what exactly i would want the mayor to do but like i i just want the new mayor to listen to us and also i guess for transportation like making that better and working on the economy okay effie what do you want from the new mayor I want someone who is um, very great at being neutral. Um, I think that our state is um, some, a state that has a lot of different views. I think our city's um, political views are different from our state. And I, I want someone who can build that great relationship between state and city, but is also keeping our Nashville's um, interest at heart while they are doing that. I think that a lot of that balance um, is kind of lacking, and I want that to come back. Hmm. Christina, what do you want our next mayor to be like? Oh, gosh. Um, honestly, voicing what um, the other two mentioned, um, I feel like, yes, that the mayor should listen to the you know concerns of the people. I also think it's important for him or, him or her to, like, um, you know, 
partner up with leaders, not just Metro Council, but also with the state to form that strong connection because we can't we can't just do change ourselves. Like we have to be willing to step out there, you know, cross that boundary line and be able to push for change and be able to, you know, start take action, whether whether that's all over the phone with, you know, a Metro Council member or with uh, someone from the dist- from a district uh, of a site of like, you know, East Nashville or something. So I think that's really important, that communication aspect. What are what are adults missing when it comes to understanding like the lives and concerns of teens in our city? Tell me real quick, Christina, what what do you want all the adults listening to know about what you and your peers are going through? Um, I want them to know that life in Nashville is really hard, especially on on a young person like all, all this stress from overdevelopment and, you know, even new development now, current development is really stressful. And I don't think that should be held on onto a teen. Even like, you know, transportation to school is really stressful. And I don't think that should be necessary. I think, you know, as I said before, public transportation is a, is also a good thing. But also I think our mental health needs should be met, not not just for me, but everyone else in the city. So I, I just feel like there's ma- many issues that maybe they're not aware of right now. So listen to our voices. I think we are just as important as they are, just as imp- just as they consider their issues. I think they should really listen to us, too. Sarah? Um, like what Chris- Christina said, I think they should think about how like the how hard it is to be a teen and all the stress that we're feeling because like not just stress from school like anxiety from like your workload and thinking about college it's also like thinking about your future not just college but when you graduate college because like you know how in Nashville the prices have been skyrocketing Mm -hmm. like for prices for living like housing and stuff like that is so expensive now so even though I'm still I'm not that close to graduating high school yet, and even though like graduating college is like really far away from me right now, I still have to think about when I graduate college, how am I going to get a house? How am I going to afford everything? And how am I even going to get a job? Mm-hmm. That is the big thought. Real quick, yes or no, would you consider living in Nashville in your adult life? Christina? Maybe. Not sure, though. Maybe. Effie? Probably not. Sarah? Probably not. Okay, that's where we have. I want to thank my guests. Effie Solomon is a rising senior at Cane Ridge and a member of the Mayor's Youth Council. Sarah Wang is a rising sophomore at Hume Fogg and recent Hume Fogg graduate, Christina Amaya Sandoval. Thank you all so much for being here and good luck to you all. Okay? Thank you for having me. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. And thank you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Special thanks to Pamela Sheffer, the Oasis Center, and the the entire Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative. Our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Lake Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.